On Monday, August 9th, Barry Morphew was in court for his preliminary hearing in the Suzanne Morphew case. It was day one of four. Now the courtroom was limited to the public and we weren't able to see it online. However, there were two reporters who were covering it, Lauren Scharf and Ashley Franco. They were tweeting it out. So I'll be combining the info from day one and organizing it in this video to give you a good idea of what happened. There were definitely some eye openers and it's really an all round tragic situation. Now, I also have a stack of papers with me, so if I read it, please forgive me. There was a lot of info to extract and go through, and I don't think I can actually memorize this today. <laughs> While I was working on this, I was also watching day two, so uh, it, it'll be interesting in a different kind of video. So now, in the beginning of court, it was reported that Barry's mom and Susanna Barry's daughters were in the courtroom. Barry was wearing a suit and tie, and there were six attorneys that were seated uh, for the state. Barry's sister was there as well, and Lauren Scharf actually tweeted that when there was a break, Barry's sister came up to her and asked her if her name was Lauren, and Lauren said yes, and Barry's sister said, and I quote, you are an instrumental part in destroying our family, and then she walked away. Now, when court began, there was a request by the defense for an opening statement, but the judge said he wouldn't need it and won't allow it. Now, Commander Walker was the first witness that was called to take the stand. He works for the Chafee County Sheriff's Office. And he said that Susanna Barry's daughter, Mallory, couldn't get a hold of Suzanne on Mother's Day, which is the day she was reported missing. She texted her mom and wanted to wish her a happy Mother's Day, but the texts weren't going through, so she reached out to the neighbor. Now, Barry also texted Suzanne a happy Mother's Day that morning. The defense said it's not unusual if Suzanne wouldn't text back because the cell service is bad at the house. And from my understanding, it's also not so great in the area. Now, Commander Walker said eight hours had passed from the time Barry texted Suzanne that morning up until the time the neighbors reached out to him and the commander noted that Barry never called the police. Now, Barry told investigators that he asked neighbors to call the police because he was worried about Suzanne. Now, there were a few mentions about their daughter, Mallory, and it was said that Mallory's bed sheets were stripped in the Morphew house. Barry would explain that Suzanne would clean the house before guests would arrive, and he said they would typically stay the night in the same bed at the Morphew house. Now, Mallory and her friend Holly, along with Mallory's sister, Macy, went on a road trip that Mother's Day. And we know from the past that the girls were gone, but we weren't sure as to the dates. There was conflicting reports all year, really. So in court, they actually confirmed that it was from May 5th until the 10th that Barry and Suzanne were alone. So Suzanne dropped Macy off in Gunnison with Mallory for their road trip. And I believe it's about an hour away. Now, a good portion of the day uh, in court, they talked about Suzanne's bike. Deputy Brown said he found the bike soon after he was notified that Suzanne was missing. He had his body cam on when he got to the area, which is Highway 50 and County Road 225. He noted there wasn't any blood, skid marks, brake marks, no struggle, and no damage to the bike. Now, as a side note, Lauren reported that while the body cam footage was playing in court about this bicycle, Mallory and Macy, the daughters, are said to be holding hands and crying in the courtroom as they watch this video when the deputies first find the bike. Now the deputy started yelling for Suzanne as he neared the bike and it was stated that the bike's 
front wheel was facing down the side of the hill. He then asks to contact Barry to describe the bike. And the deputy also asks for someone to contact the hospital. Now, he then moved the bike off the hillside and laid it, the bike back down, according to the body cam footage. Now, deputies were chatting about uh, how close the bike is to the house and talking about potential theories or scenarios. Now, the bike is described as navy in color with light blue pedals, and the deputy said that something is up with the front tire. The deputy brought the tire back up to the county road, and it's noted that he brought it up without gloves. Now, Barry arrives at scene, it said, at around 8.46 p.m., and remember, he took a last-minute job to Broomfield that Mother's Day Sunday, which is just under a three-hour drive. Now he gets out of his truck and asks, where was the bike? And then asks, was there a crash? Now the deputy described how the bike was found and Barry responded, it may have flipped. The deputy asked people not to touch their bike with their hands. But it also was noted that the commander said that there was a time that the deputy had to ask Barry to stop touching the bike. Now it's interesting too, because it was said that Commander Walker said Barry and George Davis had been touching the bike. Now, last year there was chatter that it was maybe George that had found uh, that had found the bike. And in day one in court, it mentions that George and Barry were both touching the bike. Now, I wish I saw the camera footage because it's a little unclear as to what time George actually arrived. But in court, it was stated that the deputy found the bike. And during an interview with Barry, he mentioned that Suzanne was biking regularly but was new to it. Now, in court, it was asked if there were a lot of people on that dirt road and asked if it was taped off. It wasn't taped off and it allowed people to drive, walk, or bike along it. Now, one of the daughter's boyfriends was on body cam video as well and said that he noticed that Suzanne's car was home, but her bike wasn't. He said that Suzanne typically brings her vehicle with her when she goes mountain biking. And both the boyfriend and his father described places where Suzanne goes biking and what she typically wears. The deputy asked the boyfriend what Barry and Suzanne's relationship was like, and he said they've had some problems in the past. They have talked about separating. I've known this through May. Now, they also talked about Suzanne's bike helmet and showed a picture of Suzanne wearing a light blue helmet and matching jacket with a camelback and sunglasses, and she was on Methodist Mountain. On Thursday, May 14th, the bike helmet was found, and that was 0.84 miles from the bike, and it was found 10 meters down from Highway 50. Now, in other words, that's near the triangle that I talked about in the past, and in previous videos, we saw that Barry changed his theory from the mountain lion quickly to an abduction. Then the helmet was found on the side of the highway. Now, the defense team had a Google map video up showing where the helmet was found. Now, the state hadn't seen the video but wanted to see it privately before showing it to the court, but the judge says they didn't have time to do that. Now, the helmet was found not damaged, and inside the helmet was a piece of paper with Suzanne's name, number, and family contact information. Now, remember also, Barry went looking for that helmet uh, at the Poncha Market in garbage cans, and I believe that was the day before this helmet was found. And he also gave a piece of paper to the manager at the poncha market. And on it, it said baby blue bike helmet and biking clothing, but not a description of Suzanne. And also remember, there was never a description of Suzanne really uh, on her missing poster. It 
it didn't have her height, not her body weight, not her eye color, not her hair color, like absolutely nothing. It was the very first red flag right from the beginning. Now in court, it was reported that Suzanne's camelback was found in Suzanne's vehicle and her sunglasses were found in Indiana inside the Range Rover. Now the day after the helmet was found, so the helmet was found on the 14th, on Friday, May 15th, volunteers from the Chafee County Sheriff's Office searched both sides of Highway 50 from uh, County Road 225 to Monarch Mountain Lodge with line searches. Now back to Barry's theories. Barry told Commander Walker that the RV park near their house was a suspicious location that should be checked and could have been foul play. He also mentioned the mountain line. And this theory about the RV park, we didn't ever really hear it, I don't think, uh, mentioned in public before that I'm aware of. So it is interesting. I wonder when he made mention of it. I'm very curious about as to when the date was. Now, remember too, that when Suzanne went missing, this was also the time of COVID restrictions. And so there was no camping in the area. Now, Barry told Commander Walker during a 30 minute conversation that he says uh, it is his worst scare was someone picking her up. Now, an interesting little info snack was that Suzanne's phone last pinged at 4.23 a.m. on May 10th, 2020, near Pontius Springs, which is about 10 minutes away from where they lived in Maysville. And now remember, according to Barry, Suzanne was supposedly sleeping at 5 a.m. when he left for Broomfield. And he gave two different stories saying he kissed her goodbye. And then the other story was that he didn't want to wake her and he left. Now, Barry told the investigators that the night before, on the Saturday night, everything was fine and he called her his angel and his sweetheart. Now, the investigators never found Suzanne's phone or the charger that she left plugged into the wall next to her bed. And investigators used her iCloud as well as uh, records from the phone company. It was asked if Suzanne had a SIM card and the answer was no. Now on May 10th from 2.47 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. it was said that Barry Morphew took steps in disposing of evidence according to the activity on his cell phone and his truck. And this was said it was referring to page two of the arrest affidavit. Hopefully we'll be able to get to see that sometime soon. We have been wondering what took place in that three hour window since last year. Now, they talked a little bit about the search as well for Suzanne and Barry told investigators that he had never been involved in one and he hopes it does not stop. Commander Walker said a lot of agencies came together to find a lady. A lot of resources have been expended and we are not going to stop. He said thousands and thousands of hours have been put into efforts to find Suzanne and more than 10 agencies were involved with searching for her and the searches are ongoing to this day according to Commander Walker. Now notable, Barry has never helped law enforcement search for Suzanne and when Suzanne's brother Andy came, which was September of last year I believe it was, Barry didn't help then either. He was seen instead walking around his property carrying a gun. Now, there have been over 70 law enforcement officers, many analysts and scientists. And Commander Walker said it's the largest coordinated effort he has ever been involved with. They talked about searches from aircrafts, drones, grid searches, canines, mines, ground penetrating radar and water teams. Hundreds of people have searched for Suzanne, but she has yet to be found. Now, they said they searched a one-mile and a five-mile radius thoroughly. They searched a lot of square miles in a lot of areas, and they just recently searched a mine. 
Barry's buddy, George Davis, was said to be invested in searching for Suzanne for weeks, he showed investigators maps. Now, the defense asked how thorough the one-mile radius around the home has been searched, and Commander Walker responded, there's still work that needs to be found, and it's a work in progress. And remember, again, this is in the triangle area that Barry was adamant that was thoroughly searched by him and that there's no need to search it again. And also remember that a trail cam was set up behind his house as well, which uh, we have found very interesting since we've known about it. It was said there were more than 1,400 tips and 134 search warrants, yet none of them resulted in finding Suzanne's body. Now, the first search warrant was on May 11th, the day after Suzanne was reported missing. And it was for the Morphew home and also included the vehicles as well. On May 12th, two dogs and dog handlers from El Paso County were used to search the house and vehicles. The home was cordoned off for 10 days and it was given back to the Morphews on May 20th. It was said that Barry didn't get a chance to change clothes or get anything from the home when they cordoned it off and searched. Now, in one of my previous videos, I did talk about an expert who was talking about crime scenes and she said that if it was cordoned off for that many days, that means that she would be cre recreating a crime scene. Now, I'll have the case playlist below and you can check out those videos. Now, two months later on July 8th, 2020, investigators asked to speak to Barry at his home and said they could bring some pizza. Barry responds and says, don't bring food, we are grilling steaks we can put two on for you. The next day on July 9th, the Morphew home was searched again, and it was said that 28 law enforcement officers were involved in the second search, including 14 FBI officers, seven CBI agents, and approximately six Chaffee County deputies. On July 10th, 18 law enforcement officers came back again to the home and included 10 FBI agents. Notable, they're saying no blood of Suzanne's was found in the Morphew home and investigators did not find any blood throughout this investigation, according to Commander Walker. Now, DA Stanley cross-examined Commander Walker and asked about Barry's guns. And it was said that he had a safe in the garage and not all of the guns were inside like Barry said they were. There was a gun found in the closet near the garage door and a shotgun up against the wall in the garage. They talked about the surveillance cameras as well on the Morphew property, and it was said that they were installed by previous owners. They referenced page 97 in the arrest affidavit and talked about missing cords that law enforcement found. The defense was showing that it was likely Suzanne who touched the cable. They talked about a blue cable to see if Suzanne's DNA was on that cable. The power cable had a mixture of two people and it was said likely Suzanne's and an unknown male individual. Now the defense said that Barry never touched the cables that were missing. Law enforcement took swabs of the cords and DNA from Barry, Mallory and Macy were excluded. A hit was made on DNA of someone with three sexual assaults, but the defense didn't elaborate on who that individual was or why the defense brought it up in court. Barry told investigators that he could bet $100,000 that she was the one to unplug the camera. He said he had a crew come out to fix the cameras and he didn't know if they worked or if she tampered with them. And uh, just a little side note, it's funny that he says he would bet $100,000 because that's the amount that was up for the reward, if you remember. Now on to Suzanne's vehicle. 
Suzanne's Range Rover was also tested for DNA and it was said that DNA was found on the glove box and sent for testing and the source was from an unknown male. It was not Barrymore Fuse DNA. Now they brought up Barry's Bobcat as well and According to page 41 in the arrest affidavit, Commander Walker wrote, Barry Morphew's Bobcat doesn't appear to be connected to Suzanne's disappearance. Now, if you remember though back last year, Barry lied to the authorities about his Bobcat and later admitted that there was an inconsistency of what he said. And he said, it was only because I didn't know the time that I did something, a mechanical thing to my Bobcat. As for Barry's truck, it said that Barry's truck was messy, both in the cab of the truck and the bed of the truck, and a search warrant was issued on May 12, 2020. In court, the defense went over the activity log of the truck when the door opened and closed, and it was said his truck can track these type of events. On Saturday, May 9th, the day before Suzanne was reported missing, it shows a 10.05 a.m. timestamp that it is at a work site. And we heard about that Saturday as one of his employees at the time, Morgan Gentile, she talked about working for him that day and planned on working all day, but Barry cut it short at 11. And according to Morgan, she said, he said that he had to go make the wife happy doing some hiking or biking. Now, what was really interesting, and we heard a little bit about Barry liking true crime in the past. Um, they talked about how Barry played several podcasts from uh, forensic file episodes that investigators believe Barry was listening to while he was driving. One specific episode, however, was about someone going missing on a bike ride. Now, the spy pen, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but the spy pen was actually in the truck and recorded all of this. This happened on February or March of 2020. According to Commander Walker, Barry said that he didn't know about the spy pen, and the spy pen is said to be voice activated. Now, it actually belonged to Suzanne. And Suzanne's friend Sheila had talked to Suzanne about getting her the spy pen because Suzanne had suspected Barry of having an affair. Now, Suzanne told Sheila that she wanted a spy pen back in January, but she said she wanted to catch some conversations and put it in Barry's truck. Suzanne told Sheila that she would be concerned with Barry's reaction if Sheila sent the spy pen to her house. So she said just to wait until the Florida trip to, to get it. Now, this spy pen is a black pen that can be plugged in and the audio can be downloaded. As I said, it's voice activated and there were 11 deleted files and 11 saved files. Now, according to FBI agent Harris, in one recording, it took place in the truck and Suzanne and Barry were arguing about money. Suzanne was also angry uh, about what she can and cannot wear. Now, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Agent Harris also then talked about Suzanne's best friend, Sheila Oliver. She lives in Indiana, and she's been best friends with Suzanne for over 30 years. Suzanne and Sheila would speak almost every single day. And Sheila was contacted by Mallory a few days after Suzanne went missing. Sheila was asked by authorities what Suzanne and Barry's marriage was like because the they were told by Barry that the night before Suzanne went missing on that Saturday night that they had a perfect night. And Sheila told investigators that Suzanne and Barry haven't had a perfect night in over a year and a half. Now, also according to Sheila, Barry would try to get their daughters on his side and pit the girls against Suzanne. And in court, they went over screenshots of text messages between Sheila and Suzanne. On September 1st, Suzanne says, need your prayers for peace today. Been a tough day. Later on, Suzanne wrote, he pulled Macy in again and left. My heart hurts for her. Suzanne told Sheila that she didn't know what would set Barry off. She said that when Barry turned off his phone, she had a suspicion of him having an affair. And Sheila told Agent Harris that in 2018, Barry allegedly pushed Suzanne into a closet and put a gun to his head and asked her if this is what she wanted. Now, there was another tweet that also said Barry put a gun to her head. So uh, this is a little bit of a discrepancy and it's hard because I wasn't there to listen to it. So it makes sense down the road that it could be her head because Sheila has something to say. So I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Suzanne also texted, I just wish he would get fed up with me and let me get out of the marriage. And Sheila asked how would she support herself. Suzanne told Sheila that she was done with their marriage and it was just a matter of when. Suzanne texted again and said, I'd live in a shack right now. I'm sure he won't make it easy. He has always wanted control. In another text, he, she says, it's Jekyll and Hyde again. He and Mal were together last night, probably switching it on when he talks with her. Oh, I feel like I'm crazy. I just had a conversation with him. Pretty much told him I can't be healthy and stay in this. Another text said, he threw the 70 by 7 at me, which is a scripture reference on as to how many times they should forgive someone else. And she says, always using scripture when it's convenient. Another text, she says, I feel bad. I don't want to cause him to have to do this. There's just become a point that the reality of what's never been there is sovereign. And I've accepted what is. He can't change the core person, you know. Makes me wonder what the young me was thinking. And Suzanne also made a comment that she can't handle the unstableness. Now, according to Agent Harris, when Suzanne told Sheila that she wanted to leave Barry, he would respond by saying, how would you pay for things like your medical bills for cancer? Now, there was a very big moment in court. I'm sure many of you have heard, and there's been a lot of chitter chatter about this. And it took a lot of the day up on day one regarding Suzanne and her secret affair with another man. In November of 2020, that's when law enforcement found out about this affair. And this would be six months after Suzanne went missing. Suzanne and this man would visit each other a total of seven times in six different locations, twice in Indiana. And one was in Florida when Suzanne was visiting her father in 2019. Now, Commander Walker said that Barry wasn't found having an affair, Suzanne was having an affair for two years. And investigators found some journals of Suzanne's, but not all journals, they said, and Suzanne did not write about the affair in any journal. The defense said that Suzanne's secret spy pen led investigators to Suzanne's secret affair. 
And defense also says this affair was not a one night stand. It was two years long and in other states. The date that was given was from September 2018 to May 9th, which is a year and a half. Now, the defense says she kept a lot of secrets. Her sister also said that Suzanne is very good with keeping secrets. And we heard Suzanne's sister Melinda talk about Suzanne and saying that she was very good at keeping secrets. Now, Suzanne did not tell anyone about this affair. And the guy's name is Jeff Liebler or Leibler. Don't know how you say it, but I'll give you both. He lives in Michigan and it's unclear from the tweets if he was married at that time of the fair. It's believed he was and he also has several children. Now, Jeff went to school with Suzanne in Alexandria, Indiana. Now, remember, Suzanne and Barry bought their Puma Path home in April of 2018. So this affair would actually would have started five months after they bought their home and possibly further since we don't know exactly when was the first day that they actually met up. But it was stated that they met seven times in total. Now, Suzanne had planned a trip to New Orleans in February and asked if Jeff would like to meet her there. They became physical in February of 2019 in New Orleans. And Agent Harris said they didn't have sex on that trip, but they fooled around in the hotel. Then in April 2019, they met in Indiana, July 2019 in Michigan, October 2019 in Dallas, February 2020 in Florida. And Jeff was planning a trip to Colorado in March of 2020, but then COVID hit. Now, Jeff and Suzanne reconnected after Suzanne reached out in a Facebook message and said, howdy, stranger. And then it was said that they spoke mostly on phone and communicated also through Voxer and LinkedIn. Now, Suzanne had created a LinkedIn account in August of 2018, a month before. And she logged into the account frequently, it was said, until she, was, until she went missing on May 10th, 2020. Suzanne's friend Sheila said she didn't know about the affair and it was hard to believe that Suzanne would have an affair. Barry said he didn't know about it either. And Jeff believes that Barry didn't know either because he said if he knew about me, he would have came after me. I just don't think he knew that Suzanne and I were together. Now, Suzanne also told Jeff that she couldn't get a divorce because of biblical reasons. And she also told Jeff that she would ride mountain bikes in the afternoon. He also looked up trails that she should try. Now, interesting comment about the afternoon bike rides because it was mentioned by the fire chief way back when that Suzanne liked to go on bike rides in the morning after church. Now, on November 26, 2018, it said there were seven calls between Suzanne and Jeff that totaled four hours. And the next day, Suzanne texted Sheila saying that she had a tough talk with Barry, but she didn't mention anything about this new relationship with Jeff. One of Jeff's daughters found out about him speaking with Suzanne and told her older brothers and her uncle, and she had used her dad's phone to order pizza and saw the messages from Suzanne. Now, Suzanne and Jeff paused their relationship at that time, and it was said they got back to communication in Christmas of 2019. So from the looks of it, it was pretty much a year that they didn't talk from there. Now, Jeff had told Suzanne, allegedly, that Ecuador is a cheap place to live with good health care. So on December 27, 2019, Suzanne's iCloud account discovered that she was researching language schools in Ecuador. 
and the state objected as to the relevance and the foundation of the information about Ecuador. Now, according to the defense, Jeff and Suzanne spoke 26 times between January 4th and the 11th of two, uh, 2019. Now, in the week leading up to Suzanne's disappearance, Jeff and Suzanne would message each other on LinkedIn. Jeff mentioned that Suzanne had told him that Barry had seen some messages and that they needed to switch communication apps. And Jeff said on May 6th, I know these next few days are going to be rough. They also sent pictures of each other. And the last communication from Suzanne was at 2.11 p.m. on May 9th, which is the Saturday, uh, and it was through LinkedIn. They were talking about how she was in love with Jeff and Suzanne wanted to be married to him. Jeff's phone pinged on the 10th in Michigan. And on May 12th, Jeff learned about Suzanne's disappearance when someone sent him a link. Jeff did not come forward to law enforcement after Suzanne's disappearance. Once law enforcement found him in November 2020, after that, that's when he spoke to them. And in an interview on December 18th, a month after the authorities found out about the affair, they talked about the spy pen with Jeff. And in the recording, Suzanne said, you are the sweetest thing I've ever known. I cannot live my life without you in it. Jeff left a message to Suzanne saying, baby, you are a sweetheart. This boy craves you everything about you. And Suzanne in a recording said, maybe we are in the clear for Valentine's Day. Barry won't be around then. And Suzanne told Jeff that they needed to be husband and wife. Jeff asked, marry me. And it was said that Suzanne and Jeff were calling each other soulmates and were talking like lovers. Jeff asked the authorities if he was a target in the investigation and the FBI told him no and that they would protect him. It was said that Jeff is the one that got Suzanne into mountain biking as well as drinking IPAs. I just found out that that was actually beer. Don't Google IPA because it comes up with like rubbing alcohol. <laughs> I'm allergic to beer, so I had no, uh, no clue what IPAs are, but now I know. Now, when it came to Barry and Suzanne's relationship, Barry told investigators that they had some problems, but it was like any married relationship. He said they fought sometimes because he worked too much and Barry was upset about Suzanne taking a certain medication. He wanted her to get off of it. Now, Suzanne's friend Sheila told investigators that Suzanne was possibly being physically abused by Barry. Suzanne told Sheila that he pushed her into the closet door and held a gun to her head and on a different occasion he allegedly would pin her on a bed now this was an interesting tweet it said that barry would tell suzanne don't worry one day you'll find your fred the agent explained that fred is her stepfather suzanne's mom's second husband texts also said that sometimes little things would just set barry off and he'd leave and come back and be fine and another time, Barry allegedly brought their daughters into their arguments to pick sides. And Sheila told investigators that Barry would say things like, I'm going to tell the girls you don't love me. And Sheila said that she asked Suzanne to make a what if list about what she would do after she separated from Barry. And Suzanne told Sheila that Barry wanted her to be the bad guy and he wanted to look good. And this was all during chemo treatments that they were fighting. Now, Suzanne would tell Barry that she needed peace and wanted out and said she wanted to wait until Macy was out of the house. Now, Suzanne and Sheila talked about how Macy encouraged her to go get a divorce and said that Suzanne should get a restraining order against Barry if she needed. Now, Barry wouldn't talk to Suzanne about a divorce and in a text, Suzanne said Barry begged for another chance. She said she was torn but said, in my heart, I know who he is. Barry mentioned to investigators that Suzanne was his angel. 
and she said and he said she was a wonderful person they had a very good relationship and he loved her to death the defense cross-examined commander walker and asked if he authorized the 129 page arrest affidavit he said it took him weeks to write the defense asked when he started writing the affidavit but doesn't know when he started now it's been said that affidavit is going to be horrendous i think it's going to be horrendous more than we think what are your thoughts let me know in the comments below now I have another video for you. It'll be about day two, but I'm going to put it in a timeline. As you know, I like my timelines and they gave a lot of information as to Barry's little timeline uh, when he was in Broomfield and before that. So it should be a very interesting video. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. This is a little bit of a curveball in my opinion, uh, hearing about Suzanne having an affair, but at the same time, it really shows the relationship falling apart between Barry and Suzanne and and it just it just gives us a little more insight it's really heartbreaking day two is where it gets very interesting in Barry's behavior as I mentioned so make sure you hit that subscribe button and, and that notification bell so you can be notified when I upload that video please give this video a like and share it out where you can thank you so much for watching see you soon